Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker. You guys can call me DW. And this is the next part in our series of podcasts where you, the listener, will get to know our stable of writers over at thefalcoholic.com. Our next guest is someone that should be familiar to any of you who listen to our podcast during the season. He is my co-host on the post-game podcast. He is one of our writers at the site. Uh, I'm talking, of course, of Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm ready to just talk about myself and be selfish here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, this is all about getting to know the, the people who make up the Falcoholic.com and make up this podcast. Uh, you're a critical component of that. So let's jump into it. Um, first of all, obviously, first question, what mm-hmm. made you a Falcons fan and when did that happen? So to summarize it, because I could literally tell a story all day. Um, <laughs> I was born in Western North Carolina near Asheville, which is like the main city there. Um, and growing up before the Carolina Panthers came in there in 95, me and my dad um, went to Atlanta because it was actually about the same distance. And my dad has, is a lifelong um, Minnesota Vikings fan since he was a kid wow. um, because and he'd explained to me back then they didn't have you know today's uh, youth and they think it's you see all these different teams and stuff on TV all the time and that's not how it was you the main teams back then were you'd see the Dallas Cowboys on you know Monday yep. Night Football or whatever the San Francisco 49ers Packers whatever and the Vikings being one of them um, and it was the time of the uh, purple people eaters or whatever. So anyways, he's, he's a diehard Vikings fan. And the Vikings in um, 1996, I was actually six years old, uh, were playing in Atlanta. So we went down and it's like two, two and a half hour drive. So we went down to Atlanta, um, the Georgia Dome. And I, I mean, I was only six. So unfortunately, like I don't remember a whole lot of the game. I know the Falcons did, <laughs> of course, lose the game, uh, seventeen to twenty-three. Um, I, uh, I think Jamal Anderson was on the roster. Um, I don't. I think June Jones might have been the coach. Uh, but oh, aside man. from that, I mean, and that's all obviously stuff I looked at after. Like I was a kid up in the nosebleeds. Like I don't remember close to anything about the game. I've got some pictures from it and stuff like that, but. Um, he took me, you know, thinking I would become a Minnesota Vikings fan like him. Um, and I don't know if it was the black uh, jerseys, black helmet, just the cool look they had, or because they were the home team. But ever since that moment, I've been, you could say, unhealthily obsessed with being a Falcons fan. It's life. <laughs> <laughs> I think anyone that is a Falcons fan at this point is living an unhealthy life. <laughs> Um, all right. So along the, you got started early. So what yeah. is one of your earliest memories? And obviously as a Falcons fan, it could be a fun yeah. memory or it could obviously be a very non positive memory. Mm-hmm. What's one of your earliest memories of watching this team? Um, I mean, when I think back to obviously like the dirty bird dancing, um, <laughs> Jamal Anderson, like I, I remember, you know, when you're older and you can look back, like you you realize, yeah, he wasn't the best running back that ever lived. But when I was that young, I thought he was God on a football yeah. field. Like yep. the way he was this big dude who could, um, you know, and they even looked bigger back then because in today's football, they have everything's tighter. The uniform's tighter. The shoulder pads aren't as big. Um, back then it was bulky, you know, and he had the big yep. shoulder pads. He had that face mask with the little um, – 
I don't know what it is, but it's like an old school little horn or whatever, like a little U shaped thing. Um, and I just thought he was like amazing. So, you know, doing the dirty bird and then eventually going on to the, you know, NFC championship against my dad's team, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, and then the Super Bowl, but um, that I love Tim Dwight. Um, oh, I just, yeah. I just remember, you know, being in North Carolina, um, even though we were so close, it was rare that, like a rarity to be a Falcons fan or to see Falcons fans. Um, and anytime you did, it was like this big thing. Uh, Cause be- I mean, it, it wasn't like you see how you go to the store and see like a Cowboys hat or something. Even today, I guess you could say it's the same, but um, it, it was almost like a honor, like a self honor where it's like, wow, I'm a, you know, I'm a Falcons fan. This is unique. There's not a lot out there. But then, you know, eventually you get on Twitter and you're like, oh, there's a ton of them. <laughs> yeah. But when you're back in the days of social media, I didn't know any Falcons fans. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, you would think for a team like the Falcons, which doesn't have the broad appeal, like you mentioned, of the Cowboys or mm-hmm. 49ers, um, it, it does seem like regionally for a a period of time, the Falcons were very popular with fans in other states. I I know someone that lives in Winston Salem, North Carolina, mm-hmm. who is still to this day a hardcore Falcons fan, even after the Panthers came in. Yeah, because regionally they were the only team really for him to to root for. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, here's a here's a fun fact. Um, you know, it, it, the Falcons. It's like I, that first game I went to. That's the only home game I've ever been to. <laughs> I've been to probably 10 or more away games, you know, in Florida where I live. Um, and I haven't been to a home, a home game since. Yeah. It's, uh, and that's actually something that's relatively true for several of our writers at the falcoholic.com, mm-hmm. um, including our main editor, uh, Dave Choates, <laughs> who lives <laughs> in the Northeast. Uh, we will not pinpoint his location for those of you who would stalk him. Um, but moving on, we're, we're here to talk about Evan. Um, number three, when did you start actually writing about this team? And, and what drove you to actually write about them instead of just simply being a fan? Well, for me, it started with Twitter, um, which is basically writing. You're just not writing a long article. You know, you yeah. just put up your thoughts during games or after games, whatever. Um, and eventually... Uh, our Corey Woodruff, who's with the Falcoholic now, he was with Rise Up Reader. Um, and, you know, I got to know Corey and stuff. And I went on to write there for, uh, I think, like a season. I think the 2017 season. Um, and then Corey obviously came to the Falcoholic. And I already knew pretty much all of the writers anyways, just through Twitter and stuff. Um, but I got an opportunity to write for the Falcoholic. And um, I've been doing that since um, twenty uh, November twenty eighteen. So um, it's it's I, I enjoy it. I don't know. I, it's it's fun to know that people are reading your stuff, and some disagree and some agree. And just being able to put share your thoughts with people, you know, even this kind of stuff where people want to listen to my background, like that's you know an incredible thing. Yeah. Um... I will say for those who are listening, uh, if you're looking to interact with the Falcoholic and its various writers, Twitter is absolutely 100% the place to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Most of us have very significant uh, Twitter presences and uh, Evan is no exception. I am no exception. Uh, Gina (laughs) is no exception. So and it's uh, not just football. We'll talk to you about anything. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think if you're just looking to get to know the, the people who also enjoy watching the Falcons get tortured by this team, uh, <laughs> Twitter is the place to do it. Um, all right. So now that you've been writing about the team for a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, you've been on Twitter, you've been at the Falcoholic. Uh, what is one of the worst takes where you look back mm-hmm. and you think, oh, man, I wish I could take those words back because I was so wrong. Um, I, I mean, the ones that instantly come to mind, I remember being like amped when we signed Ray Edwards. Um, oh. <laughs> and I think that's probably like well, an e- too easy one where like a lot of people share that same 
opinion, but I remember just the excitement. I, like, I remember I told you where I was too. Like I was at, I was working at sports authority in college and I was like, I went to the restroom to read it, you know? And I'm like, Oh my God, we signed Ray Edwards. Cause I think the Eagles were the other team that was yep. like rumored to be so. interested in. And I thought, you know, Oh, this is going to change stuff. And obviously that fell flat. Um, the other one is um, more recent, I guess. Um, and it's kind of another easy one, but Miles Jack, I remember wanting him. And when the Falcons passed on Keanu Neal, yeah. I was like, like I didn't have anything negative to say about Keanu Neal, but I was like, what is wrong with this team? Like, <laughs> why, why would you pass on Miles Jack? Like he fell into your lap, but um, you know, and, and I guess both of them in hindsight have kind of had some injuries. Like, uh, so, but I mean, when Keanu Neal's on the field, He's incredible. So yeah, I'd I'd write that up as a self um, worst take. <laughs> you were you weren't alone, and absolutely, Ray Edwards. I think was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all of many of us, not all of us, many of us were in that boat. So yeah, uh, the former underwear model did not work out for that. <laughs> um, on the flip side, what is one of your best takes? Maybe where you you saw a player that you thought okay, this guy is really mm-hmm. good. I'm a fan of him and, and other people weren't on board uh, or, or someone that early on you thought uh, they were going to pan out and it, and it turned out that they did. Well, um, if you follow me on Twitter, um, my most infamous one is probably the Giorgio Tavecchio. Oh, no. <laughs> where like everyone was grilling me for it, but I didn't think he proved enough to keep him. And I know he yeah. went like eight for eight in um, – what would that have been? 20, 2018? 2018. Um, yeah. He went like eight for eight. And he, you know, he did have a great, he did a great job, but I thought it was bizarre that the Falcons just handed him the um, job. And we're kind of in that same situation now um, where the Falcons haven't brought any uh, competition yet. And for coup, I mean, they probably will because there's still a lot of time between now and um, preseason, but yeah, that would probably be one of my better takes because I was and I spent like the whole off season like why are you just giving this man the job and then you know they eventually bring in Blair Walsh who's like the king of choking on big kicks <laughs> like it was like it was like they just doubled down on it and then eventually Matt Bryan came back but and I'll die on the hill that it was the place holding the having a rotation of punters last year that really ruined it for Matt Bryan's return but. That's here. That's a probably another argument for another day. <laughs> yeah, probably so. But I, I will say, um, uh, and I do want to remind uh, our readers and our listeners that it was Evan and not the National Riders that broke the news. Yeah, on, uh, Matt Bryant being Adam uh, Schefter and Ian Rappaport. They were stealing my sources. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, oh, and I, also, I want to give a shout out to Jack Crawford. Remember, there was that one year. Oh, yeah, where like. He was coming off the, uh, I think it was a torn tricep. It was like something on his arm. Um, and like, I was saying, he's, you know, he's going in for a big year. And he actually did have a career year and he finished like tied for second in sacks. So yeah, I think he had that would probably be my other. Yeah, I have some weird best takes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I will say, I'm, I, I like Jack Crawford a lot for being uh, just a, a quality player that, Mm-hmm. Uh, the Falcons didn't have to spend a lot of money on. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And I've got, I've gotten to know him, um, personally, and he, he really is a genuine, uh, fo- like a quality person. You know, you hear these stories of some of these guys where they're just like jerks. They let the fame go to their head and, you know, yeah. just being in the league. Um, but he, he really is a nice dude. And now he's in Tennessee. So, yeah, uh, as as many Falcons are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, what is something that our readers, listeners may not know about you that's interesting, different, unique? Um, I'm a Disney annual pass holder because I live in Florida. So, Ooh. years ago, I got bored, and I used to like put on social media, mainly Facebook, like pictures. I would go to Disney and take pictures and put that on there. Um, so then eventually I made a Facebook page and you can go to it if you're a Disney fanatic. Um, it's just facebook.com slash Disney annual pass holder or 
on Instagram, it's the same thing, Instagram.com slash Disney annual pass holder. Um, and I have like over, I think 20, it's like 22,000 followers or something. I just share. Yeah. It's, it's a hobby. Like I don't get paid for it and stuff, but it's, it's just like, if you're a Disney fan, um, theme parks, whatever I share like news on there and pictures and that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's kind of my random, uh, didn't know about me thing. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And I didn't, that's very cool. (laughs) Uh, and, and I talk to you, uh, almost every week during the season. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, all right. The, uh, penultimate question before we head into our mm-hmm. uh, break, um, your favorite all time Falcons player. And actually, actually, you know, let, let me clarify that. doesn't have to be a Falcons player. Uh, right. Eric last week dropped a couple of names, neither of which were Falcons players. Yeah but your favorite player all time and why my favorite player all time and why, yeah. um, Oh, that's tough. Cause I, I literally could name like six or seven right now that like I consider amazing or at you least like one. to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hmm. my favorite player of all time. I mean, I Brett Favre, I guess would be, I just loved how he was like not really a rebel, but a rebel to the position where he was just completely different than the pocket passers. Like this is mainly because, yeah, because when I was growing up, you know, it's like there was like Dan Marino and I guess Joe Montana was on his way out, but like Troy Aikman, um, a lot of these kind of passers were kind of similar to where Brett Favre, it just seemed like he was totally different. And I know he was on the Packers who I'm not a fan of and stuff, but I always thought like he's one of my favorite players. I, I don't know. That's a tough question to be honest, because like I said, there's like, I feel guilty for leaving out so many names. But, <laughs> no, that's um, a great answer. I mean, yeah. I've, and I've always wanted a Brett Favre throwback Jersey just to have it because you know, why not? I, I, I think it's fascinating that he played for the Falcons, even though it was only for what a year, one year. Um, yep. Yeah. So yeah. Before Jerry Glanville uh, shipped him off. Yeah, and actually I was watching the other day that uh, there's a NFL timeline thing. It's like the 1991 Falcons. It's very interesting uh, for anyone who is into that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I will say about Favre, the one, the one stat that I just love about him is that when he retired, he led the NFL in touchdowns and interceptions. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was number one in interceptions as well. Um, mm-hmm. The guy was the, the – uh, truest definition of an NFL quarterback gunslinger that the, yep. he, he would throw in the traffic. If there were four guys, he didn't care. He thought his arm was strong enough to fit it into that small window. And oftentimes it was, um, mm-hmm. but he was often proven wrong too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But a fun, fun, fun player to watch. I loved watching him play. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, and if you didn't grow up in the nineties, like he was huge in the nineties. Um, Absolutely. He, he sometimes gets forgotten. Um, like, you know, talking about the modern quarterbacks, like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, obviously, but Brett Favre was like back in the nineties. He was one of the top dudes like that. So, Oh yeah. The, mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Uh, if not the guy. Um, yeah. For yep. a period of time. So, um, all right. I'm going to narrow this down to the Falcons. Uh, okay. Before we go into our break, this next question is, who is your favorite active Falcons player and why? Mm. Just one, right? Just one. <laughs> oh, gosh, my favorite. Uh, I mean, it'd have to be Julio. Um, I, I mean, the dude's incredible. Um yeah. It's one of those things where, like, if he played for, and I hate, I hate that this is a thing, but the Hall of Fame shows it, um, national media shows it. If Julio Jones played for the Steelers or the Cowboys or you know one of them big market teams, he would be literally considered one of the greatest of all time. He's yeah. had to yep. earn that, even with like the Falcons thing holds it against him. He's just incredible. Um, him and Calvin Johnson, I think, out of this kind of newer generation, are the best receivers, you know, going back to, I don't know, Jerry Rice and stuff. 
Randy Moss obviously could be one of them, but just a, a super rare talent. And we've been blessed to be able to watch him. Um, you know, you see him in big moments, how he actually does step up on like, yeah. um, wider, you know, some other wide receivers around the league who, um, <laughs> don't run very deep routes, but, um, <laughs> but Julio, when you need him, he's there, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. Well, I know, I know it's probably going to be one of the questions soon, but for right now, I'm not going to talk about that event that we, you know, gave us all depression, but Julio <laughs> stepped up and he did his job. Like yeah. he did yep. not do his job in that game. And it's one of those things where it'll be lost in time, but he, he really is a phenomenal player. And not only that, he is a, he has diva talent and he is not, he's the furthest thing from it. Um, yeah. Some people probably don't even know what he sounds like, like, just a professional even in interviews where he's ambushed by tmz to like try and get him to throw dirt on matt ryan or something the dude is class all the way yep and it eric robinson in our last um getting to know the riders series podcast mentioned the same thing you know we talked about the fact that you've got these other wide receivers uh you know you look at randy Moss, um obviously antonio brown uh and uh, Terrell Owens in his time, they were incredible talents, but along with that came a lot of headaches. And mm-hmm. with Julio, like the biggest headache that we've had was a very, very short holdout, which was, yeah. I don't even think it lasted an entire week. Yeah. And he wasn't trashing the team or anything. No, that. not at all. Like he was quiet through the entire thing. And mm-hmm. it just says so much about the player, his character and, uh, like you said, he's he is a diva talent without the drama uh, that goes mm-hmm. with it. So uh, I love the answer. Um, and before we get into the remaining questions about Evan, his love for the Falcons, and his time covering the team, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I am speaking with my friend, co-host during the regular season on the post-game podcast, Evan Birchfield. We're talking about his time as a Falcons fan uh, some of the things that defines him, that defines his uh, his life as a Falcons fan. <laughs> and uh, Evan, we're going to dive into these remaining questions so the fans mm-hmm. can get to know you a little bit, a little bit better. Um, so we've talked about your all-time favorite player, your favorite current player. But the one, though, who are your top three all-time Atlanta Falcons? Like if you were, if you were thinking about Evan Birchfield as mm-hmm. a teenager putting posters on his wall, yeah. Who are those three guys that are going to be those posters uh, on, on Evan Birchfield's wall? Now, can this um, not be like, I don't have to do this politically correct because all, the no, obvious not at three. All. Not at okay. All. Like, this is to me and how they make me feel, right? 100%. So yes. I would have to say, because in Tommy Nobis absolutely deserves to be up there, but I didn't watch him play. Like, right. I, 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 you know, I find it that you need to have watched these people play to fully understand, like, what made them great. And unfortunately, I mean, I didn't get to watch him play. I'm not that old. But <laughs> Matt Ryan, for what he's done 
you know, for the franchise. Um, we've been lucky to have a franchise quarterback. You can talk about, you know, Super Bowls and stuff like that, but he's given us a chance every single year and it hasn't always been his fault. Um, so he'd be one with him, Matt Bryant. Cause he's like my, you know, <laughs> I, I love Matt Bryant, but a lot of Matt Ryan's comebacks, you know, in those early years was off of Matt Bryant's leg. And we were blessed to have a kicker for so long who was clutch, you know, yeah. in those moments. I, I think the, Very true. what worries me is, um, that, that last year where, you know, there were struggles. And obviously I mentioned, I think it's, it was having a different punter and placeholder every week, um, not helping, but you know, when, when you go, let's say like a decade from now, hopefully fans aren't thinking, Oh yeah. Remember how it ended? Like, remember the times where like against the Seahawks, you know, where he steps up and makes a big kick. Matt Ryan used to get him in the field goal range to where he can make these 50 yard kicks to win the game. You know, and and a lot of the accolades obviously go to the quarterback because he got them down there. But a lot of Matt Ryan's wins, I actually did a Falcoholic article, I think last year on it. A lot of the wins came off of Matt Ryan's leg. So he's definitely um, in my top three. And I mean, I I said it, Julio Jones, I got to keep him up there. Um, That's a great top three. It's just, it's tough because like, there's a lot of people who deserve to be on the list that I did watch, you know, that I like Tony Gonzalez. I love Tony Gonzalez, but there's no way I could knock one of these guys off of the list. Um, Michael Turner. I loved him. Uh, I don't know. Chris Chandler was like my first like real quarterback as a fan. (laughs) So like, I always had a soft spot for him. I even had a Chris Chandler Jersey. And if you're looking on the falcolic.com, I'll have the picture will be up there, but um, yeah, I, I'd have to go Matt Ryan, Matt Bryant, and Julio Jones because that's my teenage years into my present. That those were the three instrumental in um, you know me being a fan. Uh, and let's be honest, the best stretch of continuous winning seasons mm-hmm. in Falcons history happened with those three guys on yep. the team anchoring, like you said, the, the comebacks, you know, we, we often talk about Matt Ryan and his comebacks and he obviously 100% deserves credit for them. But at the same time, many of them, as you noted, came on the heels of Matt Bryant punching in many clutch field goals. And I don't want any listener to forget the fact that Matt Bryant was as clutch as they came. And uh, yeah, it, it Fantastic list, Evan. Uh, completely agree with you. Um, all right. A little bit of a different note because uh, in the time the Falcons have been around, they have had some interesting coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've got Dan Quinn currently. Uh, we've had uh, guys like June Jones, um, uh, just a whole host, you know, Mike Smith. But who is your all-time favorite Falcons coach. It doesn't even have to be the most winningest coach. Yeah. Just the coach that you enjoyed watching or whatever your reason is. Um, well, just for the sake of picking one, I guess I'll go Dan Quinn, but like, I really don't have a favorite. Um, like I'm not willing to go to bat for any of these guys, (laughs) to be honest. I think it's, they had so much, you know, like Dan Quinn, he's had so much talent and obviously Kyle Shanahan played a part in that. Um, Mike Smith, I believe, is the most winningest coach. Uh, probably like what sixty something wins he's at. Um, I think so. Dan Dan Reeves, I love the subtleness of him. Like he just, I mean, growing up, I remember thinking he was great and everything. And uh, he just he was a different. You see different techniques from these coaches or different coaching styles and stuff. Where Mike Smith, you saw a little more passion. Um, you know, during games, Dan Quinn has kind of that passion, but also he's got that like where he wants to give inspirational speeches and quotes and stuff like that. Um, you know, they're all just very different, but I mean, Dan Quinn, he, I think he's had the most success in the years he's been given where, you know, you go to the Super Bowl, um, you almost go back to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, we've been in a dry spell recently, but you know, weird stuff like, Hey, Dan Quinn's going to get fired. And then they all of a sudden go six and two or whatever, (laughs) you know, and and it's like, I have, you know, we have mild, um, 
I guess, connections to the locker room where we can hear stuff. And the one thing I've heard constantly, and it's now out in the media, so everybody knows it, but the players love Dan Quinn. Like they, they love Mm -hmm. him. They played their ass off for him last year. Like they, that's the reason he's still there because the players really tried, you know, to keep him and they, they succeeded, but they love Dan Quinn. And I think that's the kind of coach you want. Um, Obviously everybody wants to win, but you know, you want somebody who you want to play for. It's like a leader, you know, you, you want somebody who's going to lead you in a battle and Dan Quinn, he's that guy, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I'm a big fan fan of Dan Quinn's and I know a lot of fans obviously listen to this podcast and those who read the site are ready to move on for him, but I feel like he's done a lot of things right. I, I really hope 2020 goes well for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so to your point, I, I feel like he's, he's connected with the, uh, the players in a way that many of our other coaches have not. And uh, I, I think he does things the right way. So, all right, uh, moving on. Falcons players, we have seen quite a few come through either training camp or the team throughout the years. So I want to talk about the most underrated and the most overrated that you've seen in your time uh, watching the Falcons. So we'll start with the first. Who is the most underrated Falcons player in your mind uh, that you see fans like constantly criticize this person or – uh, yeah, anything of the sort where you feel like they are not appreciated in the way that they need mm-hmm. to be? Um, well, I mean, the obvious answer is Matt Ryan, but I'm sure mm-hmm. like everyone else is picking that. So I'm going to go off in a different direction, but that's who I would pick because obviously what he's done for this franchise is something, it's one of those things where once he leaves, you'll appreciate it more. Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate, but that's how, that's how it goes. You know, the Miami Dolphins are doing that right now with Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> They've been doing it for 20 years or whatever. Um, so for me, the most underrated, um, and I like, it's Jesse Tuggle. I just, you forget, you know, you can, it's easy to forget he was yeah. there, but he was such a force, you know, linebacker. And we've had, a, you know, even Tommy Nobis. These are guys who, you know, it pisses me off, but it's like even this past where Tommy Nobis got snubbed from the Hall of Fame, it's like mm-hmm. these guys were great at what they did. It just ties back to that thing I mentioned earlier about the Falcons bias where it's like they're on the Falcons, so it not, it's a knock against them. Um, and a lot of these guys like Tommy Nobis, Mike Ken, like I didn't watch them play. It's been more research afterwards. But Jesse Tuggle, I actually did watch play. Um, I think he's severely underrated as a linebacker. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I've unfortunately, it's not just one. It's like I have a list of <laughs> Falcons players <laughs> um, who are severely underrated, and a lot of them were in the past. And it's a shame because, you know, if you want to underrate Matt Ryan, I think there'll be more appreciation when he's gone, anyways, because of how just great he was for the franchise. But it makes me sad to think of these guys like Jesse Tuggle, Tommy Novus, Mike Ken. Um, hell, I mean, I know Claude Humphreys in the Hall of Fame. But um, unfortunately, this dude had 94 and a half sacks as a Falcon. But unfortunately, the NFL did not count sacks until the year after he retired. And he was with the Eagles for uh, two years. And so John Abraham, who's phenomenal, not taking anything away from him, but he gets credit as being the lead sacker, even though it's Claude Humphrey. Um, But he's in the Hall of Fame, so. He doesn't have to worry about being underrated, but um, <laughs> you know. But there's a long list of guys like, like I mentioned, Mike Ken and Tommy Novus and stuff who are underrated. And if they had, you know, a Steelers logo on their helmet, they would have already been in the Hall of Fame. Tommy Novus yes. was on the, I believe, the 1960s NFL All Decade Team, um, and not in the Hall of Fame, even though like Dick Buckus is in it, um, you know. But you look up the linebackers. I guarantee you, all of them, but maybe one, um, is in the Hall of Fame. Aside from Nobis, it's it's a travesty, really. Um, I know, like even you can look at like Billy White uh, Shoes Johnson was uh, part of one of the All Decade teams, and he was like on one of them. He's like the only dude who's not in the Hall of Fame. It's yeah. like it's it's yeah. So my my underratedness, I guess, comes from the biasness of. <laughs> a Falcons player. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Flip side of that equation. 
Yeah. Uh, who is in your your mind one of the most overrated? Where the fans maybe got behind this player in a way that you didn't completely understand? Ooh. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm prepared to duck because the tomatoes are going to be thrown at me. <laughs> but, uh, I, like, I, I was a fan of Michael Vick, right? Like, throughout my childhood, being you know, he, he was the talk of the town. Like, he explosive. Um, but, like, in hindsight, it's like he didn't play that long in Atlanta, obviously. Um, he never threw for, I think, more than 20 touchdowns. I know he ran, you know, obviously he was running as much as he was passing. But, you know, stuff like that, it's like – and we didn't even win a whole – like we went to the NFC Championship and lost to the – who was it, the Eagles? Yes. Um, and that was like the furthest, you know, he went in, you know, incredible talent. I think he – him like um, Deion Sanders, their impact came more from – their prestige and like off of the field, like giving a talking point to the Falcons, you know, like Deion Sanders, he had to go win his Super Bowls elsewhere, but like he brought a notice to the city of Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like Vic had that yep. same thing where it was like their impact was more off of the field, but strictly as a player, I mean, I would say it's overrate. He's overrated, but um, I don't know. I mean, there's probably a lot of people who disagree with me on that, but uh, you know, athletic, of course, there's no debating it and stuff like that. But is he like one of, you know, some people say he's better than Matt Ryan at quarterback. Like, no, <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I believe one of the other Falcolic writers actually chose Mike. Vick. I, I think it was James that said Mike Vick as well. So you're, you're not alone in that. And yeah. Uh, well, it, I want to make it clear, like, it's not that I don't think he was a good player. It's just, you know, I wouldn't personally build a statue for him. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, yeah. I, you got to be here for, like, look at Ryan's career. He's been here how long he's been with the Falcons. You know, yeah, we went to the Super Bowl, and then great. But, like, that's success long term. Vic brought more of a socially impact where – you know, all of a sudden you're getting Monday night football games and, yeah. you know, everybody wants to talk about the Falcons because, you know, the Nike commercials and stuff like that. But so I'm just speaking strictly as the player. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right. Uh, the most gratifying win for the Falcons since you've been watching them. Oh, uh, I mean, it's got to be the – Packers and the NFC championship a few years ago. Yeah. Um, I, and obviously that's probably because it's more recent, but I have never felt more. Um, I don't know what the correct word is. Like I could have ran through a brick wall. I feel like <laughs> I, like I would have been knocked out, but I would have tried um, more like cocky, confident. Um, like we were just, it, it wasn't like we defeated them. You know, we beat the hell out of them. Um, <laughs> yep. It was, it's one of those feelings where I'm scared I'm never going to get it back. Like, even if the Falcons do, <laughs> you know, they become great again. Like, we didn't know in that moment, and maybe we did, but we didn't really want to cherish it because we were too amped up on the success. But those were the greatest times. Like, that feeling, Truly. even before that, playing the Seahawks, you could say, like, that's 1A one, one and 1B. One um, it's just like, even to think back of it sometimes and I'll admit it, like I get sad and I'll just watch the highlights on YouTube. And it's like when Julio is getting pass interference and stiff arms that dude and just takes off, like he's running the damn Usain <laughs> Bolt track meet. It's like, God, like bring me back, please. It, I I don't know. I'm getting choked up. Just thinking about it. It, it, it was, it was a remarkable. It, it felt like, Finally, the years of, you know, being upset over this team, feeling crushed, feeling like they're personally out to get you just yeah. by, like, doing dumb stuff, um, it's being rewarded. And, you know, we obviously didn't know what was to come, but at that moment, <laughs> it was easily the best feeling in the world. Um, you know, and this also ties back to earlier what I was saying about being a Falcons fan. If you live in Atlanta, it's probably a little different because there are obviously more fans there but you know like in my family around my friends I'm the only Falcons fan they know 
because that's, yep. you know, it's, an, it's a rare thing to be a Falcons fan, um, especially outside of Atlanta. So it was like, you're getting all these texts and, oh my, you know, everybody's watching. It's, it's the NFL. It's the NFC championship game. Like there was only two games that week. And, um, you know, uh, it was, it was a great feeling, you know, getting congrats and stuff from people. And you feel like you were a part of the team, you know? Yep. <laughs> exactly. So I wonder what your next question's going to be, DW. <laughs> surely, surely that's the end, right? Oh, no, because uh, part of being a Falcons fan is suffering. And uh, I, I just have to ask you, because many of us at the Falcoholic uh, yeah. came close to retiring after yep. this particular game. Um, how hard did the Super Bowl loss hit you personally? And, you know, when you look back on it, who do you blame? Do you blame anybody? Uh, do you blame Shanahan? Do you blame, uh, you know, Freeman? Uh, what, is that, what does that game look like to you? Okay, first off, how hard did it hit me? Um, I cried, like, real tears, like somebody yeah. passed away. And I'm kind of ashamed of it because it's like one of those things where it's, it, it is just a game. But when you live being a Falcons fan, you know, being a football fan in yeah. general, um, especially for a team that's not had a whole lot of success, like this is your – you know, we're in the off season right now and we're constantly talking about the Falcons. There have been football played, you know, Falcons football played in <laughs> months and it's all we can ever talk about. So, you know, and, and just the buildup, I think the thing that hit me the hardest was um, during halftime, you know, having family and stuff like, Oh man, you know, good job. Y'all are, you're going to win. And you know, all this yeah. stuff. And I, I literally like my mom, for example, I remember it, like it was yesterday, you know, saying oh you know you guys are doing great you've got this and I told her I'm like it's not over yet you know trying to slow people like I wasn't excited at halftime I was I was more excited than I was at the beginning of the game but I wasn't like parading around saying yeah we got the Super Bowl you know I can't wait to go to Disney World and you know because obviously I live in Florida so I would have been there but um you know I wasn't doing that sort of stuff I was like well let's slow down I've seen this team they they have this thing where they do love to let people get back into games, um, you know. And sure enough, it did end up happening. And I just remember bawling my eyes out because it it literally hurt. Um, yeah. yeah. So what was the second part? <laughs> <laughs> there was the second part because I think that was enough. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, who do I blame? Yeah, um, I guess who you blame. I mean, I guess it has to start at the top, Dan Quinn, because I would have been running down to Kyle Shanahan, like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Run the freaking ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all go down to that, that sequence of plays where Julio had that the greatest catch in that game, like, but yeah. it will be overshadowed by Edelman's lucky-ass fumbling of the ball that happened to go into his arms. Um, but that, I mean, I can see that play in my head just by thinking about it. Um, it, remarkable that play summed up who Julio Jones is and Matt Ryan's trust in Julio Jones because he probably shouldn't have thrown that ball and Julio probably shouldn't have came down with that ball but they did um like that <laughs> exactly. would have been a statue in Atlanta and I think that's the worst part is it'll always be forgotten but it's it has to be and obviously we're biased but it has to be one of the best catches plays whatever you want to call it in NFL history or in Super Bowl history um yeah so anyways who do I blame I mean I guess Dan Quinn I, I don't know. I, I don't really put a whole lot of blame and look back at it because it's pointless at this point. Right. Um, we were, we were one of the best teams scoring wise in NFL history. Um, so it's hard to be like, Hey, you know, Kyle Shanahan, what the hell? Like he's a big reason, obviously why we were there to begin with. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I try, I know it's a boring answer, but I try not to blame anybody just because, you know, in that moment, like, I don't remember – it'd be different if I thought back and was like, man, I was screaming at the TV, why aren't you guys running the ball? But I wasn't. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Julio, you know. Um, they, they could have run the ball, obviously, in hindsight, but I'm, I'm not going to bash anybody. Uh, I hear you. Um, all right, last question to wrap this all up. Looking ahead, your mm -hmm. thoughts on the current regime 
uh, within the Atlanta Falcons. And that starts at the very top, you know, Arthur Blank all the way mm-hmm. down to the janitor. Um, and what are your hopes for the 2020 season? Yeah, so at the top, I mean, I love Arthur Blank. Um, it's just, I think we've been blessed to have a great uh, owner. You know, there's a lot of bad owners out there. And yeah, maybe sometimes he's more recently been putting his thoughts out there more than he probably should. But at the same time, I think it shows that he cares. Like, yeah, he owns this team, but he wants to win. Um, yep. I, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I I hurt, obviously, but imagine how he must have felt after that Super Bowl. Like, we saw him in the booth dancing because the Patriots fans hmm. always show the clip of it. Like, this dude was excited. You saw that energy uh, after the NFC Championship. So, I mean, I, I think the world of Arthur Blank, and not to go off in a track, I should have mentioned this earlier, but um, one of my greatest moments, and I, I know that was a question, but one of my greatest moments in 2008 when we got Matt Ryan, um, first thing I did, I bought a Matt Ryan jersey, and then um, I went to the preseason game in Jacksonville, which was officially his first like NFL game. It was preseason, though. Um, after the game, me and my dad are like standing around um, in the stands taking pictures and I'll, I'll have uh, DW put this into the article too. So you can see it if you want. Um, but Arthur blank and like his entourage start walking across the field and he sees like my rat, Matt Ryan Jersey he comes over. Um, and you know, he asked, I, I kind of blanked because I was like, Oh, I didn't mean to make a pun. Um, but <laughs> I like, I, I spaced out, I'll say. Um, because I mean, I was shocked. I was a, you know, I was a teenager. Like this was amazing. The owners coming up to talk to me. Um, and you know, he was just like, Oh, how'd you like our young quarterback? And I'm, I have no idea what I said. I probably said, Oh, he's great. Whatever. Um, but he ended up signing my Matt Ryan Jersey. And ever since that moment, I've just thought the world of Arthur Blank. And then you see like the charity stuff he's doing more recently. And, um, yeah, so that start the top, Blank, I think the world of him. Uh, Dimitrov, oh, that would take me hours to just talk about. So I'm just going to say <laughs> it is what it is. Um, we'll leave it alone. We'll leave it yeah. alone. <laughs> um, Dane Quinn, I like him. I wish the best for him. I don't think anything negative about him, but I do want to win. And if he's not it, he's not it. Um, I'm hopeful. I know we have the strong, uh, most difficult schedule. It came out recently, most difficult schedule based on 2019 opponents. Um, but like, like I said uh, on the falcolic.com in our uh, round table article, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Like, and we definitely will be facing the best, you know, playing the Packers yep. saints twice. Um, Lord knows what's going to happen with Tampa Bay, but if for some reason what they have on paper transitions to the field, you know, that's going to be tough. That's, I think we play them twice in the last three weeks and that's your bread and butter games where you're trying to make the playoffs. Um, and then I believe the chiefs are week 16. Like that's insanely hard, but, <laughs> Man. um, we have a talented roster. So I think that's the biggest, uh, thing to, you know, be optimistic about is yeah, we're playing some tough people, but we have some tough people too. Um, I love the draft. Um, wasn't huge on Terrell early, but, um, you know, I have faith on, in some of, you know, these voices I trust, like Eric Robinson, uh, um, Kevin Knight, obviously, Everett. Um, they they know what they're talking about, you know. Read, read their content on thefalcolic.com. It'll give you some yes. more optimism. Um, what actually happens, you know, we'll, we'll uh, let that play out on its own. But, um, you know, Davidson, Hennessy, like, I love that they're – you know, the Hennessy pick was more looking towards the future, but we do have some guys, you know, Matt Ryan's getting older. Julio's getting older. Alex Mack, this is probably his last season. I don't think anybody's going to think that's a crazy thing to say. Um, our defense is better. Um, so I'm optimistic and, and that's a scary thing to be as a Falcons fan, but you <laughs> wouldn't be a fan if you didn't go into the season expecting a Super Bowl at the end, because what's the point of being a fan? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and that that is the roller coaster ride of any Atlanta Falcons fan yeah. over the past decade, two decades, three decades. Take your pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Evan, we have gotten to know you much better here on this podcast. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. Um, so, why don't you remind our listeners where they can find you and what you've got going on? 
Yeah. Um, so you can find me on uh, Twitter at um, Evan Birchfield. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier, I'll talk to you about anything. I do like <laughs> to do a lot of fantasy football, um, which I'm, you know, humble brag, but I'm pretty decent at. So if you ever need advice on that, um, I do have, you know, fantasy articles. One of them I think comes out Friday, um, which is like a pre-training camp rankings list. Um, I do have currently out some more uh, undrafted free agent content um, like Mikey Daniel. I'm dying on that hill. I think he's going to make the roster call him my shot. Um, mm-hmm. So read stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, largely just stay tuned to the Falcoholic um, podcasts and articles. What, you know, there's a lot of Falcons material out there and content, but what makes us better than the rest is we're Falcons fans, um, you know, and that's DW's yep. role in this kind of format we're doing is we're not lying to you. We actually, when, when you guys are hurting, we're hurting. When you guys are excited, we're excited. Um, and you're not getting any BS from us. We're not going to cupcake <laughs> it and give you, you know, optimism when there's none to be there. Um, we're fans, you know, that's the only reason I write for the Falcolic is because I'm a fan. I, yeah. I love this team. Um, you know, they make me want to bang my head against the wall sometimes, but <laughs> that's, you know, that's being a fan, but, you know, largely, you know, some of us, I know I do, I read the comments, you know, I appreciate you guys taking the time to read our articles. Um, even if you disagree with what we're saying, just commenting and sharing your thoughts, um, you know, do the, do the fan posts on, uh, the falcoholic.com. I get messages from people interested in reading. I mean, not reading, writing. Um, if you're interested in writing, do the fan post. It's great. It's it, not only is it a great exercise for you to craft your writing skills. Um, it also is something you can later on when you're re- ready to take that leap, whether it's with the falcoholic.com or one of the other numerous Falcons websites, you can say, Hey, this is what I've written in the past, you know, and hopefully it's all content that makes you look like a great writer and boom, there you go. You're a writer now. Um, but just thanks for, you know, reading our stuff, listening, all that stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Great. Um, as for me guys, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Falcoholic DW and subscribe to our podcast at Falcoholic pod, where you can stay tuned to the podcast as they drop and any updates as they hit. So for Evan Birchfield, uh, my partner in crime during the regular season for the Post Game Podcast, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll talk with you next time.